Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For new listeners, welcome. For old listeners. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit. Oddment. Blubber. Tweak. Podcast 9 and 3 quarters topic of the week is Halloween Special, Episode 6 and 3 quarters. Hello listeners, I'm Jem. And I'm Ria. And this week we're both super excited to talk about Wizarding Halloween. Yes. So basically in this episode, we're going to be covering three separate topics. I'm going to be talking about um, why do wizards celebrate Halloween? I'm going to be talking about how wizards celebrate Halloween. And then we're both going to be talking about how we would celebrate Halloween if we were a wizard. So you're up first, Gem. Why do wizards celebrate Halloween? Okay, so I looked into, like, the actual history of Halloween in Europe, and I used a very credible source called Wikipedia. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And there are two theories on the origins of Halloween. The first is that it comes from the pagan Celtic harvest festivals, and these were sort of collectively known as Sarwin. So that's spelt Samhain, but it's pronounced Sarwin. Oh, okay. And so it would be... The celebration of the end of the harvest season and the beginning of the darker half of the year, so winter, it would go from the 31st of October to the 1st of November, so around that, that time. And it would begin at sunset because that's the beginning of the Celtic day and then go till the sunset of the next day or November. And it's observed in Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man. Now, the Isle of Man, I think that's in England. I'm not 100% certain, so I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I know nothing about that area of the world. (laughs) I feel like maybe it's in Scotland. I don't know. All right. So what happens in these festivals is that there's a a few things. I've just got them dot pointed here. Okay. So firstly, cattle would be brought down from the pastures and then killed because, you know, they're just preserving the meats and stuff for the winter. Then there would be some cleansing bonfires. (laughs) <laughs> and there would be fire cleansers all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fire is a, a pure cleansing element. So they would either be lit as a giant bonfire with the feast, or they would be lit around the like the pastures, the fields of barley and stuff. And they would, you know, have restorative powers to them. So it's important to note that this particular time period, these days, was a liminal time between the real world and the magical world. 
So the boundaries between the spirit world would be overlapping. And that's why there was a lot of like mysticism and there was all these divination rituals. And in these divination rituals, they used nuts and apples, which I just thought was an interesting side note. So all the thing with apple bobbing was a divination thing. Yeah. And then there's also the spirits and the fae. And as we know about fae, uh, but maybe our listeners don't know, fae are kind of like tricksters in which they see themselves as they're not like human creatures at all. They're not like happy little fairies sitting on toadstools. They are very dangerous and they have a lot of rules and a very high opinion of themselves and they need to be appeased. They're like angry gods. Just like me. (laughs) So what people would do was they would leave out food offerings for the fae to appease them and, and make them happy. So when they would have like a feast set out, they would have food at the door for the fae and it's like a treat for the fae. Okay. So then it would be a time in which the souls of the dead would revisit homes seeking hospitality. So like all your dead relatives would come and visit you. There's like similar celebrations across the world. Like uh, I'm not familiar with the name exactly, but in Spanish traditions, there's like the Festival of the Dead, which is sort of overlapped into Latin America as well, where you'd go visit the graveyards and light candles for your ancestors and stuff. So yeah, a place would be set at the table with the family for the dead ancestors. And so while the, the living were having their feasts, it was assumed that the dead would be there too. It was also a time of mummery. So people went door to door in costume and they would recite verses in exchange for food. There's a lot of interpretations here. They could either be imitating themselves as fae or spirits. So you give them food to appease them or they trick you trick or treat, or they're disguising themselves from spirits. It's kind of unclear of which sort of value was behind the mummery. All of this sounds amazing. And I love how clearly you can see the origins of all of our modern day Halloween traditions. Yeah. Like there is such an obvious, clear development of how these things have grown into the Halloween that we celebrate now. Yeah. It's really, it's closely linked. So then there's the other origin story is the Christian festival of All Saints Day. And on All Saints Day, you honour all of the saints. Oh, great. And these are saints that are known or unknown. Yeah. And it's usually the 1st of November, so it is around that time. It spurns from the belief of a powerful bond between those in heaven and those on earth. Kind of like Tiangxia, if you're from China. So, saints are honoured. God is given thanks. Individuals who have personally led to your faith in Christ or in Christianity are also honoured. So, you could just thank Joe Blow down the street for introducing you to Jesus. <laughs> there, are, there, are, <laughs> there are like similar customs in France. Le Jour des Morts. Again, it's the same like the Day of the Dead in Mexico or Spain. I, I kind of, I saw parallels to the whole, the pagan tradition and the thanking your dead ancestors in Obon in Japan. They have like the Festival of the Dead in October as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Where they light candles. I like how all over the world, all of these separate cultures are like, yeah, October. That's the dead time. That's the time when the dead are about. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> I think it's a Northern Hemisphere thing because, again, it's like a winter thing. Oh, right. Coming from Australia, we have no context for a lot of this. Yeah, if you bring it back to – because, again, the seasons here in Australia are just dry, wet. Like, it's just tropical. But in the Northern Hemisphere, they have distinct seasons, so death would be on your mind if you're seeing all the plants shedding their leaves and dying and the harvest goes off and you have to survive in the cold. That is a very deathly time, I would imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, so I think it is a Northern Hemisphere thing. Again, so coming back to the pagan customs for Sawin, the, the divination involves apple bobbing, nut roasting, <laughs> uh, scrying, <laughs> mirror gazing, dream interpretation, molten lead or egg whites put in water, which would then like depict visions, I suppose. Molten lead or egg whites, just one or the other. <laughs> one or the other. Okay. So what they would also do is they would light torches and they would circle the fields of barley or the fields of crops because then this would imitate the passage of the sun and it would make the crops grow better, in their opinion. Cool. Which I think is interesting because was this a time when they knew that the sun moved around the earth or was they still thinking that the earth moved around? You did that backwards. <laughs> no, wait, sorry. Yeah, that's right. Um, I just got confused. Yeah. <laughs> Heliocentric, whatever the fuck's called. The sun moves across the sky, so it looks like the sun's going around us. But as we super smart modern day people know, the Earth goes around the sun. Uh, flat Earthers, don't listen to our podcast. You're not welcome here. <laughs> yeah, go away. Okay, so then coming back to the mummery, and I just found a few examples here. There was the, excuse my pronunciation, anyone from Wales or UK. The Lair Barn, or the White Mare, who leads the kids around to the houses, and then they donate good fortune to that house, I suppose. <laughs> the Luck Horse. <laughs> Come to visit us again. Basically, the Luck Horse. <laughs> good fortune on you. So, in Scotland, the kids went around with painted faces, threatening to do bad things if they were not given hospitality. Of course, only in Scotland. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> That leads into the trick-or-treat thing again. And their faces were marked by ashes from the sacred bonfire. So again, this could be seen as like a protection thing from spirits because you're using the sacred bonfire to mark your face. In Wales, men dressed as fearsome beings called Gwachod. Again, excuse my pronunciation. And I googled Gwachod in like the Welsh spelling and it basically came up with witches. So you dress up as witches. Awesome. And another thing that I thought was interesting is, you know how jack-o'-lanterns are a thing? Like, lanterns made out of pumpkins? Yep. They would have turnip lanterns. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that, I just laughed at that. That sounds amazing to me, but it might be because I don't understand how big turnips are. A turnip's big enough for a proper lantern? I picture them about the size of onions. In my head, turnips are like, yeah, onions are apples, like, about that size. All right. I don't know. <laughs> So then I had some theories about why I think s wizards might celebrate it. Mm -hmm. So my first theory is that it's a way to appreciate the spirits and ghosts. Because as we know, in the wizard world, spirits and ghosts are just a part of the world. Yep. And so Halloween celebrations might be a way of being like, look, this is our time to just respect you. And, you know, we'll set up some feast because you know ghosts can pass through food as rotting and apparently it's like they can taste it so maybe it was like setting out feasts for them and just appreciating the ghosts and remembering the dead then i thought maybe muggles invented halloween and wizards profited from it mm -hmm. so muggles were obviously aware that wizards were just out there being wizards and being nonsensical and so they interpreted all these things in the wizarding world and made halloween to like protect their crops from the pesky wizards and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But wizards, seeing muggles dressing up as witches and wizards, thought, 
we can make some profit off this. And so they just went along to villages that were celebrating Halloween, knocked on the doors and said, oh, trick or treat, give us some food, you know? And that's why they celebrate it. That seems reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, all these seem kind of plausible. My next theory was that it all started when a group of wizards were having a jolly good time. So they were just having a birthday party, having a bonfire, who knows what they were doing. And some muggles noticed and came along and were like, what's going on here? And then it's like... The person who's about to make up Halloween is like, oh, haven't you heard? Uh, it's the time to celebrate All Hallows' Eve. <laughs> they just completely bullshitted it all. And wizard and muggles took that and went, oh, okay, this is a celebration that people do. And then just went off from, with that. I really like that because the thing that struck me most when I was researching my section for the Halloween episode was that it's kind of pointless for wizards to be celebrating Halloween because their everyday lives are so much more like Halloween than ours. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All this, like, running around in costume and eating cool candy and having bats and pumpkins everywhere, like, that's just their everyday reality. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I really like that theory, too, of just, like, they were literally throwing a bonfire and either couldn't wipe the memories of the muggles or just didn't know how. Yeah, and then I thought maybe this is just an extra aside about the Deathly Hallows, seeing as they're called the Deathly Hallows. Now, Hallow itself means holy or something that's honoured. But I also thought maybe just the tale of of the three brothers, that day that they were crossing the river, that could have just been a Halloween day, or maybe that's why there's a link there. It's not really necessary to why wizards celebrate Halloween, but I just thought that was was cool. That is interesting. I did see that connection between the Deathly Hallows and Halloween pointed out on just about every single Harry Potter Halloween page I visited. They're all like, there may be a link, and then didn't elaborate on it. So yeah, there's definitely a hint of something there, but nobody's really explored it in depth. Like, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we're on to how do wizards celebrate Halloween? I should probably point out, like, for context, we're both Australian. Halloween isn't really a thing here. It's not. And that is one of the most tragic things about our country aside from all the horrifying human rights abuses yeah that we don't get to celebrate halloween i know it's truly shocking like it makes me want to not be an australian (laughs) honestly i know we don't have trick-or-treating sometimes like adults and stuff will throw costume parties but it's not really a thing no one really decorates for halloween no there's no real parties or anything just like private things that individual people who are into halloween will throw for their maybe interested friends it's very disappointing the most you could get is if you live on the uh, if you live on the gold coast Movie World and Dream World do like fright nights and Halloween nights mm-hmm. where for the month of October they'll like completely spookify the theme park and there'll be mazes that are like spooky and all this sort of stuff and people in costume chasing you down the, the fake streets. And that's really fun, but I want more. <laughs> I want everywhere to be Halloween. <laughs> yes, all the time. We didn't have a lot of context for Halloween, but even despite that, it is my favourite holiday. I love it, and I go all out for Halloween, even if no one around me will. (laughs) And there's a lot of really great Halloween moments in the Harry Potter series, like the death of his parents. That happened on Halloween. (laughs) Great. Oh, yay! (laughs) Yeah. Something really big and dramatic happens on Halloween. When he made friends with uh, Hermione. That was great. Yeah. (laughs) That happens on Halloween as well. There's lots of great moments in the books. But I'm not really going to talk about that right now. That can maybe be a future episode. I just want to talk about how Halloween is celebrated in the magical world. So, first of all, there's not a huge amount of information about how wizards celebrate Halloween. 
According to the Harry Potter wiki, most wizards celebrate Halloween just in the same way that muggles do, but with a magical twist. Yeah. And then there was a list of, like, typically festive Halloween activities, but it didn't elaborate on how wizards would put their own spin on it. Mm. There was things like um, you know, costume parties, carving pumpkins, bonfires, apple bobbing. Visiting haunted attractions was listed, <laughs> which I thought was strange because everywhere's a haunted place when you are a wizard. Yeah. I mean, it'd just be like, oh, let's go to the grocery store again and see that weird ghost that's just stuck in a loop at, at the conveyor belt. <laughs> that got depressing real quick. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the bathroom and listen to the weeping ghost of a dead girl who lives there. That's just that's just Tuesday for me. That's not Halloween. <laughs> I did find something interesting on Pottermore, though. So apparently the British Ministry for Magic tried to impose restrictions on how wizards and witches are allowed to celebrate Halloween. Yeah. Supposedly because they were getting a bit too rowdy or too over the top with things. So extra. And threatening to violate the International Statute of Secrecy. Yeah. So... Celestina Warbeck, who we know is the a very popular singer in the magical world, a favourite of Mrs. Weasley's. She spoke out against the proposed restrictions to the Halloween celebrations, mm-hmm. and all it says is that this was considered highly controversial on her part. There's no other information about this interaction. In this podcast, we've learned a bit about Celestina Wilbeck, how her mother demanded a choir in the school, and now that she's speaking out against Halloween restrictions, who was she? <laughs> she's amazing. I just sort of skimmed through a Pottermore article because I was mainly reading the looking for Halloween information. But apparently her parents met because one of them was a stage performer, either her mother or father, but they were either a muggle or a wizard. I don't know. <laughs> one of her parents, who may or may not have been magical, <laughs> specific, was attacked by a leatherfold that was disguising itself as the curtains on the stage. Shit. That's terrifying. For listeners who are not familiar, a leatherfold is like a cousin of a dementor. It's basically like a really creepy black blanket of a creature. Yeah. That's like made of shadow, but disguises itself as blankets and curtains and things and comes and um, smothers you in your sleep and kills you. Yeah. Wild. Very creepy. I've gone to a Harry Potter party disguise, uh, disguised in costume as a leatherfold before. They're very cool. Pulling mummery, this one was. I went to a Harry Potter party disguised as a leatherfold. <laughs> that's a very strange sentence. <laughs> So the primary way that we see Halloween being celebrated in the books is the Halloween feast at Hogwarts. Mm. And it sounds amazing. (laughs) Yes. The decorations are just something else. Like, we know Hogwarts goes all out with decorating its feast, but um, the Great Hall is filled with jack-o'-lanterns big enough for three men to sit in (laughs) and thousands, this is a quote, thousands of live bats. Just wait, thousands. <laughs> so that's at least thousands, two thousand live bats. I'm just remembering. Okay, I'm just trying to picture how big the Great Hall is. <laughs> I'm remembering. Do you remember when we went to that that cave at Uncle mm-hmm. Dave's farm? <laughs> and yes, he like clapped, and all these bats just came swooping over the top of our heads. There was just so many bats. Like, there's got to be. Yeah, there were maybe only maybe. I don't know, a three dozen or so dozen, I would imagine. Two thousand. So for our listeners who do not experience that with us, our family, and our family is huge when you bring in all the extended cousins and blah, blah, blah. A ton of people went away to visit a friend of ours who, a friend of a friend, blah, 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 who had a big farm. And we stayed there for a while and did some farming activities. I don't remember why. 
And one day, Dave, the friend, took us up into like the hills around his farm where there was this, what he said was a cave. It was basically just a fissure in the rock that just went straight down into the side of the mountain. Yeah. And he got us all in a line and we all walked down into this cave and he's like, it's really cool. You just go exploring. And we were just walking into this hole in the rock <laughs> and he let us all get in there. And then he stood between us and the mouth of the cave and started banging on the roof and the walls and screaming. <laughs> and the air around us came alive with bats. <laughs> and everyone was screaming and panicking and trying to run out of the cave while all these bats were flying around, except me, because I was just in ecstasy because there were bats and I was so excited. I was excited too. I was having a great time. <laughs> yeah. And then Dave got his son to film us all. <laughs> That was a great time. <laughs> that was several dozen people trapped in a hole in the rock with, we were probably outnumbered by bats, like four to one. Yeah. But trying to imagine the great hall from the Harry Potter stories filled with thousands of bats, all I can think of is the air would have to be thick with them. And like the droppings. There's got to be something in the Hogwarts great hall where droppings are not a thing because we know that all of the owls swoop in every morning and deliver the mail. And if they were shitting all over the place while students are eating breakfast, like that's just, it's just not happening. There must be some kind of like protective charm or something which stops droppings from falling onto the students and their food because otherwise that's a disaster. Well, we know that wizards are good at vanishing excrement, so. Tune <laughs> <laughs> into our last episode, listeners, for more of our thoughts on that. God. But literally the best thing I can imagine is me <laughs> sitting in a giant pumpkin house, <laughs> eating candy surrounded by a swarm of bats. That just sounds like heaven. I know. I think the reason we like bats here in Australia is, do we have vampire bats? I think we do, but they're not as common. More often we have fruit bats. Yeah, we don't have any vampire bats. They're all fruit bats. Yeah, they're all fruit bats and we don't have rabies here. So bats are pretty much harmless. They're just like rats that can fly. And I know that sounds weird because rats are harmless in other countries, but again, we don't have rabies here. Or the Black Plague. Mm. We don't have any of that shit. All of our <laughs> animals are just like poisonous and highly aggressive. So but they're not diseased. <laughs> All of our cute, cuddly animals are the terrifying ones. Yeah. And stuff like bats and rats and stuff. But it's like, oh, look at the cute little baby. That can't possibly get me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the decorations in the Halloween feast. The food is amazing, as per usual. All of the Hogwarts feasts food sounds incredible. I'm not going to yeah. go into much detail on that. But the interesting thing about the Halloween feast, as opposed to other feasts like Christmas and the, the first feast of the year and the last feast and all that sort of stuff, is that there's usually some kind of entertainment at the end. One of the things that happens is that the Hogwarts ghosts will fly in through the walls and will glide around in formation above the students' mm. heads and put on like a show. How good. Which sounds incredible. And also in second year, when most of the Hogwarts ghosts were busy with something else, Dumbledore apparently booked a skeleton dance troupe to perform after the feast. Oh I cannot tell you how excited that makes me. <laughs> Dancing skeletons? That is literally, like, I cannot imagine anything better. <laughs> <laughs> yep, sitting in my bat-filled pumpkin house, watching skeletons dance. Sounds like the best night I could have. And I'm upset that JK Rowling robbed us of the opportunity to have live dancing skeletons perform at the Hogwarts feast. Oh my god. Because Harry, Ron, and Hermione did not attend the feast that year. I know. Oh. That's about all I've got. As much as I would love to sit here and speculate how adult wizards celebrate Halloween, 
everywhere else across the world. Basically, all the information we have is just what happens at Hogwarts because that's where the most of the series is set. Okay. So should we go on to our third topic? What would we do if we were celebrating Halloween in the magical world? Okay. I think we should start with our costume idea. And I think we might have the same idea. Possibly. So I think on three, we say it. (laughs) Oh, I've got two ideas, but I'll, I'll just go with my main one. Okay. So on three. Okay. Okay. One, two, three, Polyjuice Potion. (laughs) Okay, Polyjuice Potion was my second idea, so we did both land on that. Absolutely. I think it's just the best trick of all. Like, you know, and I would make it someone really... If I went to Hogwarts, I would make it, like, my life's goal throughout the year before October to try and get Dumbledore's hair so I could be Dumbledore for Halloween. And, like, imagine the power you could wield. (laughs) Polyjuicing yourself into the teachers is amazing. Yes. Because then you can show up, like, as Snape in lingerie to the (laughs) Halloween party. How great is that? It's so good. Like, I know that they're children in the Harry Potter books, they shouldn't be wearing lingerie, but I'm an adult and that's what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, if I was an adult in the Wizarding World, I think my number one Halloween plan would be to host a party for all of my friends. And the rule for the Halloween party is that everyone comes polyjuiced into another one of our friends. So instead of costumes, everyone polyjuices into everyone <laughs> yes. else. And you have to spend the entire party impersonating the person that you're disguised as. And there's a prize for the best impersonation at the end of the night. It'd be like Secret Santa, where like a few months previous, you pull your name out, you pull a name out of a hat. And that's who you have to get hairs off without them noticing and polyjuice yourself into. No, because I want there to be a chance for multiple of the same person. Yeah. So you don't get assigned someone. Yeah, everyone just has to sneak somebody's hair in the months or weeks leading up to the party and then work on their impression. This is based on a real party that I went to. That's great. One of my friends in high school, let's call her Alice, <laughs> once had a party where she couldn't really think of a theme for it because we were very into theme <laughs> parties and dressing up at that stage in our life. And she eventually settled on the letter A, which was the first letter of her name. So everyone had to come as something dressed as A and all the decorations and stuff were the letter A. My plan to go to that party was dressed as Alice. Yeah. So she had a very like distinctive way of wearing her hair. <laughs> and so I went, I actually, I was sick, so I couldn't go to the party, but my costume was... I went in our school uniform. I wore it the same way she wore it. I did my hair the same way she did. I worked on my impression of her. And then she also, like, packed her school bag in a very distinctive way. So I had her parents steal her school bag and smuggle it to me. And I was going to show up as her to this party, which I still think is the greatest costume I've ever done. Yeah. We did show up at the party briefly, even though I was very Mm. sick, because I had to return her school bag to her. So she got to see the costume and she thought it was the best thing ever, probably. I don't know. (laughs) and i've always i just think that's such a funny thing to do go to a costume party dressed as one of your friends it is so how about instead go to a halloween party wearing the flesh of your friends wearing the flesh of your friends (laughs) that's the motto for the party honestly yeah it's the perfect mix of like body horror en masse identity crisis and friendship that's the true meaning of halloween Yes, and I love I love doing impressions of my friends because I'm not good at them. <laughs> my other Halloween costume mm. that I would do, aside from this very specific party, is I would do ghost. And how I would do that is 
Yeah. I would either magic or paint one of my outfits to be completely silver, cover myself in like silver body paint and shimmer powder, and then I would cast a sloppy disillusionment charm on myself so I'm like semi-transparent. And then that's ghost me. But then you're still walking around. You've got to cast a hover charm on yourself too so you can fly. Oh, a hover charm as well so I can float. Good call. Good call. How good is it when you have magic and you can use that to make costumes? Yeah, I mean, just the costume potential when you have magic is amazing. Like, even if you can't polyjuice yourself, you could still transfigure parts of yourself to look close enough to your friend. So if you, like, I don't know, have similar features to your friend, like, I don't know, brown hair, blue eyes, you could still change your nose and your jawline and give yourself freckles and really make yourself like your friend's twin and they just freak out. <laughs> yeah. I quite like the idea of, like, Fred and George coming to a Halloween party as each other. <laughs> Gred and Forge. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny for me. <laughs> <laughs> just people dressing up as each other is like the funniest thing I can imagine. <laughs> Any other costume thoughts? But thing is with ghost, I don't know, would a ghost be offended by that? I'm not inviting a ghost to my Halloween party. I don't care if they're offended. Oh wow, you're ghostist now. Yeah, ghosts are depressing. I don't <laughs> I don't want some fucking soul of a departed person hanging around my party where I'm trying to have fun. I mean, there's lots of great things you could come as. You could come as a Dementor, like, and you could literally make yourself hover and stuff like that. You could, there's so many options. Mm. A dragon, that'd be great. Then I thought, after the costume, what activities we would do. Yeah. Okay. So my first activity is because I figure Halloween is a time for fear, not just fun. So I would want to do something scary, and I think I would want to fight a boggart on Halloween. <laughs> fight a boggart? Like have a punch on with a boggart? No, I mean, ridiculous it. Think about it. It's the ultimate Halloween thing, because first you're frightened, but then you make it funny. So it is like trick or treat in an, a monster. It's just... The perfect experience for Halloween. That's true. That is the quintessential Halloween experience in a single creature. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Only problem is, what if it goes wrong and you're not able to fight the Bogart because the Bogart is too frightening, which we do see happen in the books to Mrs. Weasley, and you end up traumatized and then you've ruined your Halloween? Well, I mean, I know what my Bogart would turn into, so I think I'd be able to handle that. Tell us. Tell us. What would it be? It would be a animated mannequin. <laughs> oh, 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 I hate that you said that because we have the same phobia and now I'm thinking about that. <laughs> yeah, like chasing me. Why did I push you to say that? Fuck. <laughs> I hate animated mannequins. <laughs> yeah, or a doll or something like that that is alive. Yeah, a doll, mm. a statue. Uh, I, you know what, we know what's up with this fear that we both share. How would you make it funny? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would turn it into a blow-up doll. <laughs> No, block dolls are the same. Now they can just float at you. <laughs> um, hmm, how would I make it funny? I, um, that's an interesting question. I would put a stupid costume on it. No, that's more frightening. There's no way to make a mannequin funny. A mannequin <laughs> that's alive and wants to get you is just too frightening. There's nothing you can do <laughs> to make that amusing. I, I can't think of anything either. And now you've ruined your Halloween. <laughs> I guess turn it into a real boy. Like, you know how Pinocchio was like a puppet? Like, that's honestly the most frightening fairy tale, Pinocchio. Turn it into a real boy. That's funny, I guess. But then that implies that that person was somehow transformed into a mannequin, and that's something that could potentially happen to you. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw the fear come into your eyes. Yeah, okay. I'll take it back. I have no way 
I, I cannot figure out how to make that funny. So yes, I would not want to fight a Bogart <laughs> ever in my experience as a wizard, ever. <laughs> if anyone can tell me how to get over this weird, <laughs> how to make it funny, please send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us an iTunes <laughs> review, which is advice of how to get over automonophobia. <laughs> okay. So aside from your dumb idea, <laughs> I think what I would want to do if I was a child in the Wizarding World, is I would want to go trick-or-treating. Yes. Because we never got to go trick-or-treating in Australia. It's just not a thing here. And that was always so disappointing to me every single year. So Hogsmeade, it's the only all-magical community. So it's the only place where wizards and witches can actually, like, go all out with the Halloween decorations, make them all magical and awesome, and not have to worry about any muggles stumbling into the place. So I would want to go trick-or-treating around Hogsmeade. And let's not forget, Zonko's is there, Honeydukes is there. You literally got tricks and treats in Hogsmeade. And, like, imagine how all out they would go for Halloween. Yes. You would get the best haul. Of course. I imagine there's, like, a town-wide festival. And then I started thinking about, well, if I was trick-or-treating, would there be, like, cool Halloween-themed wizarding candy? But I realised that all of the wizarding candy that exists now is already Halloween-themed. Like, seriously, we have... Um, pumpkin pasties, fudge flies, ice mice, peppermint toads, cockroach clusters, blood-flavoured lollipops. All of the normal wizarding candy is already Halloween-themed. How much more Halloween-y can you get? I'm trying to remember, in Australia, we had ghost drops, and they had a picture of a ghost on the packet. And when you put them in your mouth, they changed the colour of your tongue. Yeah. But that's the closest thing I can imagine to a Halloween candy here in australia and that wasn't even halloween themed it was just ghost drops yeah they were just ghost drops god they were disgusting now that i think back on it but they made your tongue change colors which was really cool Mm. australia has some good candy but we don't do halloween we don't have spooky candy. no also this is just another tangent we keep i keep just finding out things about harry potter which i have to talk to you about apparently a candy in the wizarding world is zebra hoofs what and i don't know what that is i've got to assume that it's some kind of like gummy or toffee thing because the idea of child just (laughs) chowing down on like a horse toenail is the worst thing well i mean people people eat pig's hoofs and stuff why they don't eat the hoofs don't they eat like the feet in the american south they have like something like that i've seen it on videos where they have like a jar of like this gelatinous reddish orange liquid and they open it and there's like a hoof inside and you somehow eat that. You either eat the meat around the hoof, or you chow down on this gelatinous hoof. I don't know. Someone in the American South, please explain this to me. <laughs> that's that's the worst. Well, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I mean, I'll, I'll try anything, but that sounds completely unappealing to me. Mm. Anyway, last but not least, the one and only, the true Halloween candy, Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Bean. Yes, that is trick or treat in an, in a nutshell. Yes, every time you eat a Every Flavor Bean, you are experiencing trick or treat. <laughs> That's all my thoughts on Halloween candy. <laughs> they might have like a Halloween edition of um, Birdie Bots, which is just spooky flavors. Like you'd have like pumpkin, then like human flesh, and then like cobwebs and all this sort of stuff. Human flesh, every flavor being. <laughs> Long pig. <laughs> so I had for my next activity, because, you know, Halloween, you evoke the the tricks, you evoke the fun. So I would want to have a competitive, like sporting activity. But then I realized I'm not sporty. I'm creative. I'm a performer. 
So what would I want to do for Halloween? I would want to have a dance battle with some dancing skeletons. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. I think you could tell I was building up to this because the grin on my face like a maniac. I want to see some dancing skeletons, Rhea. I could see your entire face changing from my normal sister into a madman. <laughs> Dance off with dancing skeletons. Because the thing is, they can go all night because they're already dead. They don't get tired. And so, you know, of course, us mortals would always lose. But the spectacular moves that you would see in a dance-off with dancing skeletons, I shudder to imagine. Do you think they, like, take their skulls off and then, like, roll them all the way down their arm bones or, like, toss them between each other? I don't doubt. I very much imagine that dancing skeletons... Have you ever seen Russian dancing, like traditional, you know, where they do the thing where they like duck down their legs? Go yes. Like I imagine that, but then their legs like dislatch from their pelvis and the legs creep up their rib cage and go like, I just, it's ridiculous. I don't even know. And I love that sort of dancing. <laughs> uh, I love everything about the dancing skeleton. I'm a little bit concerned by the dance battle because that implies that you are also going to have to dance. And I don't, I don't think you know how to dance well enough to beat the skeletons. Um, of course I don't, but it's all about the fun. <laughs> you know who we do know who could outdance a skeleton? Who? Dad. True. <laughs> Dad, with his amazing signature dance move, the old stomp and clap. <laughs> yes. He could take out an army of dancing skeletons with that. And because if you get him drunk enough, he doesn't stop either. <laughs> He doesn't. He just keeps going. We shouldn't just make fun of Dad on the podcast. That's not fair. <laughs> he doesn't even need music. <laughs> oh, absolutely right. <laughs> He's not here to defend him. <laughs> yeah, so dance battle with dancing skeletons. Absolutely. Oh, I like dance battle with skeletons. I like that you're not doing traditional Halloween activities either. <laughs> you're doing, like, punch on with a bogart. <laughs> dance battle with skeletons like this is i was like oh i've never tried apple bobbing before that might be interesting i had down trick-or-treating in hogsmeade as well like that is a, a pinnacle of what i would want to do i'm just planning my night here like first off punch a bogart second off do some <laughs> trick-or-treating third off dance till past midnight okay well like, you know. i've gone like <laughs> sort of childhood adolescence adulthood that's how i've planned my night i guess on my halloween activities so for childhood, I would be trick-or-treating in Hogwarts. My adult Halloween is my polyjuice party with my friends. I did these out of order. Yeah. My adolescent Halloween experience, I want to sneak out of Hogwarts. I want to go to the most haunted house in Britain, the Shrieking Shack. Yeah. And I want to spend the night sitting around with my friends, drinking fire whiskey and telling spooky stories. <laughs> Yeah, that is another really great one. So <laughs> I just think that sounds like a really great one. Yeah. But then I was thinking like, well, if I was a witch and I was telling a ghost story, would it be like, hey, one time I was really late for class because Nelly Headless Nick <laughs> asked me to fill out his 10 millionth application to the Headless Hunt. And everyone would be like, oh, Ooh. what a cool ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Or like, because he could go for an actual horror story and be like, one time, there was a guy who taught at Hogwarts, and he had another man's <laughs> face growing out of the back of his head. <laughs> because that's fucked. That's so terrifying. Yeah. But these are just the everyday experiences. I said this before. The everyday experiences of the average witch or wizard is 100% more 
pure Halloween than anything that muggles can dream of. No, no. In terms of ghost stories, have you ever heard the one of Flitwick's little brother? <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. In Sirius Black, dressed as a clown. <laughs> In Storm Drain. <laughs> no, you can't cop out on this. You have to tell the whole story now. <laughs> tell me the story of Flitwick's little brother. Okay, so Flitwick's little brother, Flitwick's little brother is walking down the street, and there is, in the storm drain, is Sirius Black, dressed like a clown. And Sirius Black's like, Oi, Flitwick's little brother, come down the storm drain. <laughs> There's a whole carnival down here, and you are missing out. And the kid totally flips, he's like, Oh, I'm missing out. And he goes down the storm drain, and Sirius Black, he rips the kid's head off. And three days later, that kid died. <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> That was amazing. <laughs> For any listeners who don't recognise it, that is Jem's version of a monologue from a very Potter sequel, the Starkid production, and obviously it's inspired by Stephen King's It. <laughs> Popular right now. <laughs> yes, very topical. Well done. Harry Potter and It, the two things that I care most about around Halloween time. And when you were talking about ghost stories, that just instantly came to mind. Because of the Shrieking Shack too, and oh, yeah. Yeah. Great, that's great. I have one last thing on here which kind of feeds into what you were talking about. And I would want to hear some ghost stories, but from ghosts. So I would want to talk to ghosts around the castle and be like, how'd you die? Because I reckon, like, some ghosts would be like, fuck off, I don't want to talk to you about this. (laughs) But then there's Moaning Myrtle. Oh, God, she would not shut up. No, exactly. So I think it would just be interesting to, like, hear about a different time in history and to hear about... Maybe a really dramatic murder? I don't know. I think that'd be fun. True crime. True crime, (laughs) as told by the victim. (laughs) Yeah. Is very morbid, and I love it. I mean, like, how often do you get that opportunity? (laughs) Well, when you're a witch or wizard every day, that opportunity is always there. A lot of people seem to ignore the ghost, so I don't think it is an everyday thing. I think, like, people are just like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they mostly leave the ghosts alone or pretend they don't exist because they certainly don't take advantage of them as a resource. No. But I love that you said that you were, like, planning out your Halloween night, so I assume this is your final activity. I just put a list of activities. There was no particular order. It could be, though. If you were doing this in order... That means that you are running around Hogwarts Castle in the early hours of the morning. I am assuming drunk as fuck and very tired from your dance battle with skeletons and harassing ghosts for the story of how they died. You just like hassling people as your final Halloween activity is great. I'm all for the tricks for Halloween. Like, I'm like those Scottish teens like back in the days of yore, just like bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Tell me a story, I'll terrorise you. <laughs> Entertain me. What are you going to do to the ghosts if they don't tell you? No. <laughs> just pester them, haunt them. I'll get out a fan and blow you away. <laughs> Set peeves on them. Yeah, those are all the activities I had. <laughs> Alright, well, that's all of the Halloween activities I have. Yeah, I think that's great. I just, I love that it's celebrated in the Wizarding World, and I love that we got to see some of that in the movies and the books. I wish, I wish with all my heart that we'd seen the Dancing Skeletons, but you know, can't always get what you want. That's okay. It's okay. (laughs) I wish with all my heart that I could have gone to the feast with the thousands of bats. (laughs) That's just really good for me. Yeah. I think we should decide whose Halloween is better. Oh, yours. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's three different Halloweens, so that. Like that. Well, maybe we should take 
I think your Halloween is the best. <laughs> I think a combination. So I think like if I were to go to a Halloween party, I would want it to be the Polish's Potion Party. <laughs> but I think if I were at Hogwarts, I would want to start off the night doing trick or treating like at dusk in Hogsmeade to sneak out the castle. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. And then I would have the Halloween feast at Hogwarts. Then I would do a dance battle with some skeletons. Then I would punch a bogart. Then I would sneak out to the Shrieking Shack with my mates, get pissed off my face, and tell ghost stories. And then, as I'm, it's, it's, I'm assuming it's like three thirty a.m. right now. I'm trying to find a ghost, blind drunk, in the castle, hollering at the top of my lungs. Person going to like, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. I am taking a million <laughs> points away, <laughs> and I'm like, come at me, McGonagall. <laughs> Halloween! I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Halloween. That sounds like the perfect Halloween night. <laughs> well, that's all for today. I've been Jem, one of your hosts. I've been Ria. We hope you enjoyed our Halloween plans, and I hope you'll agree that I am the spooky. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I was willing to punch a bogart, so, you know, tremble. <laughs> that's true. You did want to dance with skeletons. Maybe you are the spookier host. But- <laughs> still love Halloween so, so much. Thanks for listening to Podcast 9 and 3 Quarters. This show is written and edited by Ria and Jem. You can send us an email at 9and3quarterspodcast at gmail.com or talk to us separately. Jem is on our Tumblr page, podcast 9 and and Ria is on her blog, prosetintedglasses.com. Please feel free to send theories or ask questions and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the sea just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com. This week's intro music was Double Trouble by John Williams, and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You'll hear from us again in two weeks. Happy Halloween, everyone.